Amen. Come on, how many love Jesus? Amen. There's an old song that said, this joy that I've got, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. How many can lift your hand to heaven and say, amen, that's true for me today. This peace that I've got, amen, how many know the world didn't give it, amen, and so the world can't take it away. Aren't you glad for the love of God, the peace of God this morning? Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for uh, really just your presence here this morning. We just want to appreciate you coming. Those of, uh, those of uh, you who are joining us online, we're excited about you. Uh, even though maybe you might not be here physically, you're with us. We know that. And so we're excited about that. Well, here we are uh, in the middle of really August and um, the summer. We're also doing a uh, series called Family Matters. And we're in that series today. Going to continue to do that. We're going to read a scripture, then pray and get into it. But, you know, I thought about something even last week as I'm talking about here I am marriage, talking about marriage and family and, and everything. And uh, really, i got to say that, uh, you know, coming up under my dad and, and living with him, he really, that's what he did for so many years. We traveled together, and, and he preached on marriage, and God gave him such a revelation on the home and marriage and family. And um, I would say my first encounter with the marriage seminar was when I was 13. And, uh, you know, and so how many know when, when your dad preaches it all the time, you hear it quite a bit. So uh, after a while, when I got older, I, I kind of knew when, like, like, these certain jokes were coming in and when that phrase, and I'd amen and look around the church, it's like, you guys need to say amen, this is good, this is good, good stuff. And so I'll never forget, as 13, my, my, uh, we were having uh, one of the, the nights there, it was a banquet, and uh, the subject that night was sex and marriage. I was 13, by the way. And so I learned two things that night, believe it or not, a few more things. But I learned two things after that when I encountered that. I was sat on the front row. That's a mistake, too. But, I, you know, I learned a couple things. First of all, I learned how to smile very awkwardly and laugh at things I didn't know what I was laughing at. And then the other thing I realized, I just need to, to pre pretend, you know, I know what this is all about and so I kind of got through that but so we've been doing this a long time and here in a long time but God's really been refreshing it and how many know God emphasizes things you know when God begins to move again and, and God begins to speak and renewal and and uh, you know awakening and like what we need in our country God begins to emphasize things and he's re-emphasizing family isn't he how many know it's such an important time in our in our culture in our society and in our generation that we need fathers we need mothers, we need strong marriages, we need, come on, we need successful children, we need healthy kids, and uh, how many know God's moving? I believe God's moving in the homes of, of, of America. I believe God wants to move, and I believe God wants to bring a movement, a fresh movement in families. And how many can say God did that work in your family, in your life? God did something new in your life and restored things and brought things back and healed you and delivered you and set you free. And so that's why we're here today. Well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We've been talking about roles in marriage, and I want to just finish up. i got to do this quickly, uh, the one part. I want to finish up. We talked about man's role or husband's role last week. I want to finish up that one point. Um, just I, I don't like to do review, and uh, but I'm going to just mention a couple things. But in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. So it says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. If you have your Bible, you can turn, click, or whatever you do. I'm not really sure what you do there. 
Anyways, it says that we need to honor Christ by submitting to each other. I'm reading out of the living. They're going to put it up in the New King James, but it's all good. Honor Christ by submitting to each other. You wives must submit to your husband's leadership in the same way that you submit to the Lord. A husband is in charge of his wife in the same way Christ is in charge of his body, the church. He gave his very life to take care of it and be its savior. Verse 25 And you husbands, show the same kind of love to your wives as Christ showed to the church when he died for her. Or uh, one translation says he gave himself for the church, for her. Verse 28, and this is how husbands should treat their wives, by loving them as part of themselves. For since a man and his wife are now one, a man is really doing himself a favor by loving himself when he loves his wife. Or the Bible says that when just a man would love himself, he needs to love his wife more. He would take care of his body. He cherishes it. And in verse 29, it says, No one hates his own body, but lovingly cares for it. The King James says he nourishes it and cherishes it in verse 33. And so again, Paul's writing and concluding this letter. And he says, a man must love his wife as part of himself, and the wife must see to it that she deeply respects her husband, obeying, praising, and honoring him. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you so much, Lord, that we have this opportunity to be changed by your word. Lord, we open this book, and this is not just a book. This is the book of life, the book of the Spirit. And the life that is in Jesus is in this book. And so we want to experience that today, Lord. I, I just raise my faith level, Lord, and I raise my, my learning level today. And I open up my spirit up to you and just say, Lord, teach me something out of your word today that I need, Lord, that I need to learn and grow in certain areas of my life through your word. I, I love you so much, God, and we give you all the praise. And everybody said, Amen. And so we talked last week a little bit about this, but we had to really lay the groundwork in the last couple weeks and that is this and the importance of roles and gender roles and roles in marriage and how that they are fulfilling and they are satisfying and they are complete because how many know when God designs something and he creates something, it's good. It's very good and it's complete. And so we've talked about those things. But right up here in the very beginning, in verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord. Submit to one another. And you know, I love this, that Paul actually said this first. And I, I know that he was following the principles of the Bible, but I feel he said it on purpose. I feel uh, he mentioned this on purpose because he wants everybody to understand that it's about submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. That's what makes a marriage work, is that when you submit to God. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. When you're in love with the Lord and you're so passionate about Him and you're submitted to His Word, how many know it becomes easier to live with somebody like that? Amen. It becomes easier to, to live with others and to walk in God's principles when we submit to the Lord. And the Bible says in other translations, it says, Honor the Lord by submitting to one another out of reverence for the Lord, but be supportive of each other in love through Jesus Christ. And I know that the heart of the kingdom of darkness is rebellion, but the heart of the kingdom of God is submission. Amen. A pastor friend of mine said that submission really works like this. It puts you in a position to win. Submission puts you in that place to win. And see, many people believe, especially in our culture today, that submission to one another really means abuse. It means that uh, it's a kind of a, a losing your identity, losing your freedom, having to submit to some ancient, outdated, uh, you know, uh, standard or whatever. And it, it really speaks a lot in a lot of people's lives of abuse. But how many know God would never speak anything to us that would lead us to abuse? He would never speak anything to us that would lead us to brokenness. Come on. That's the opposite of what He does. He's a healer. He's a deliverer.
deliver, he forgives, he sets free, he's not going to bring us into bondage to one another. Any, come on, anybody here? It's Sunday, you can say amen. All right, all right. So, so this is what we, we've talked about in the last couple, but I have to say that before we go through this, uh, because it's so important. And really the Lord doesn't want us to be doormats, does he? And he doesn't want us to be dominators. But he wants us to be submissive to him first, and then we can submit to one another, and we can live together in marriage. And see, at the very beginning in the garden, marriage, the roles of marriage were broken. Through sin, the roles of marriage became fractured. But how many know in Christ Jesus, he renews all things? He brings it back, and he says, I'm restoring this. I'm restoring your place, your role. And so we can feel comfortable in that today, in the year 2020. We can feel comfortable in the roles that God has for us. And we can feel really comfortable living it out loud in front of our neighbors and our family members because it's good, it's God's way, and it leads to eternal life. And so the good news is today, as we really begin and get into this, is the good news is, is that really you have an opportunity to become a really good husband, good wife, godly husband, godly wife, no matter what your negative past is, no matter what your negative role models have been, amen, God's word comes to set you free. And so that's the good part about it. And last week we talked about, when we talked about the role uh, of a husband, one of the things we talked about in Ephesians chapter 5, he says this, what does he say at the very beginning of verse 23? The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. And a lot of guys are like, yeah, so I knew that from the very beginning. Now, um, easy. Uh, so it says he's head of the wife, he's in charge of the wife, he provides leadership for his wife. So the very first thing a husband is, is he's a leader. He's a leader. He's the head because he was created first. Amen. Not because he's smarter or anything, it's because he was created first, that's why he's called the head. He, he's the head coach. Come on, somebody. He's the department head. He's the one that, you know, that, that you, you know any, any trouble comes, he's the one you go to first. Is that right? He's the head coach. He's the one that determines the tone of the house, the culture, the morale of the family, the, the culture in which the, everybody lives in. He's the one that really is in charge of that. He's leader. And his leadership has several things. And one of the things God talks to us as far as men, he talks to us about being loving. A loving leadership. This is how we lead. Uh, by servant leadership. By example leadership. By proactive leadership. And he, again, is not a dominator. And he's not a doormat, but he is a leader. Amen. Your wife may have more spiritual knowledge, more spiritual gifting than you in a lot of ways, in a lot of areas, be even more, uh, whatever, more intelligent or just have a, a, just a, a better a way about her. It doesn't matter. God's made you the leader. Is that right? God's made you the leader. She, she may know a thousand scriptures. You may know one. Say it with me. John 3.16. But it doesn't matter, you're the leader. Amen. God's called you to be the leader, and it's a tremendous responsibility. But as a leader, here we read in Ephesians chapter 28 and 29, that a couple things. He's not just the leader, but he's a provider. Husband is the provider. We say, well, that's a no-brainer. Yes, that means to provide, it means to feed, it means to sustain and supply. That's what you do. The Bible even says, I believe it's in Timothy, that a man that doesn't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. There's a curse on him. Come on, somebody. Amen. He's a provider. And uh, if you haven't learned that by now, you need to learn it. Teach your kids, your, your sons, that they're to be providers. And, and one of the things that King James uses these two words, he nourishes his body, cherishes. That's how he's to treat his wife. He nourishes it. So a provider is a nourish, 
One that nourishes. He feeds, he supplies. But it's also this. I like this meaning that it means to, he is the trainer and the educator. He is the trainer and the educator. Amen. So uh, I like that. And there's a lot of things we talked about last week about that. But there's a lot of things there that we could talk about. But you know, the Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. When I think of training, yes, I think of repetition, instruction. I think of that kind of training. But I also think about a locomotive that has cars coming behind him. How many know that if a father or a husband derails, the whole family can derail? Come on. Amen. Because people are behind you. They're following you. You're leading them. Amen. You're training them. But then he's a spiritual leader. He's a spiritual leader. And our challenge is to really lead our family in the things of the Lord, to be a spiritual leader. We don't take a back seat to that. Well, my wife, she likes to pray. She, you know, she shows up to prayer meetings. I just, I just work and, you know, and, and I just come home and, and, and then she does the rest. No, you're the spiritual leader. Amen. And so... The other thing, the third definition that uh, talks about a, a role of a husband, there's so many other things, but this one I wanted to give, is that is he's a lover. Now you're talking. No. Easy, sparky. Okay, so we'll get to that. But that's what that word cherish. He cherishes. He has the ability to love. He has the ability to, to be intimate. He has the ability to be a lover. And, and in our day, in our culture, that word is so perverted and, and, and the role of a, a husband in, in that area has just been out of hand and out of control. We have forgotten what it means to be a tremendous lover and a lover of one woman. And the Bible says, talks a lot about this. And we're going to talk a, a couple weeks from about intimacy, but not today. But it says this in verse 25, husbands love your wives. It doesn't just say... Put up with them or deal with it. It says, love your wife. Passionately, three times, Paul exhorts us in Ephesians, love your wife. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up himself for the church. There's the key, isn't it? This is an amazing definition. I love this about what does that mean to cherish? What does it mean to cherish? Well, that means that uh, and on Valentine's Day, I give her flowers and I remember her birthday and our anniversary and at Christmas, I get her something nice. No, it means this. This, this word kind of like set me back a little bit. It means to brood. It's, it comes from the word warming. It means to warm or to brood. Yes, just like a, a chicken with their young broods, right? So guess what, fellas? She's your chick. Come on, somebody, right? Come on, I knew I'd get an amen. You know, way back before the 50s or whenever they started using that term, amen, come on, Paul used using that term, amen. He said, fellas in the church, she's your chick. She, she's the one that you're, you're, you're brooding over, you're warming, you're, keep, you're meeting her every need. You are the one that cherishes her. And you're the one that's, come on, now today in our culture, a few years ago, started a, a word called side chick. Now, it's becoming, unfortunately, it's becoming so uh, accepted in our culture to have a side relationship beside your husband or your wife. They call it a side chick for a man. But how many know today they have a side chick and then that side chick has a child side chick and there's two other ones and you got a baby to that one. Listen, today God wants us to bring back what it means to be a true lover of one woman. Amen. To brood, to warm, that she's your chick. You don't have this side chick. You don't have this other relationship going on. Amen. There's just that one woman that you're passionately in love with. 
And so a husband cherishes his wife as his own body, the Bible says. And men, we're in touch with our body. We understand it. We know it. The Bible says this. I mean, no man hates his own body. Is that right? I mean, we're in touch with it. And so we know it. And so that word literally means he pampers his body. So like a man would, yes, a man does that. Don't tell me he doesn't. You know, whatever it is, sports or, you know, I can chop wood with one hand. I mean, he's very into that. He's very into, you know, the outward. Anyway, so... This, this one, I, I never, as I'm preaching, I think about this and studying it. I thought of that term. How many have ever said that? You, you've maybe said that yourself and you thought you were the real manly moment. You said, I'm a lover and not a fighter. How many have ever said that? How many of you are you're liars? Okay, so I'm a lover, not a fighter. And you said that many, many because you were going to get, uh, you know, you were going to get beat up after school. And so you used that term to get out of the fight. Many people say, I'm a lover, not a fighter, but I believe that a man needs to be, the, the one thing that he loves the most is, is pleasing his wife, meeting her needs. That's one of the things. If you're going to be a lover, you've got to be able to, the one thing you love the most is to meet her needs. And the thing that you fight against the most is really the insecure stereotype that the world has planted in your mind. If you're going to fight against anything, fight against that. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so when men don't really become the lovers that God called them to be in their marriage, what happens is they end up lusting after other women and fighting with their wife. Amen? So, so be, be a lover and, and a fighter for the right things. But here's what it means to cherish her also. It means that you value her. You value your wife. This, is, this should be obvious. You value her. You recognize her. You praise her for what she does well. You praise her for what nobody else sees her do, for her gifts and her talents and, and all the little things that make her her, that make her unique and, and great. You recognize her. That's what it means to value her. You, you don't just say, oh yeah, okay, thanks for supper, babe. Okay, But you really recognize some things in her life that make her so unique and so great. You recognize her. You you do that. And I believe that my wife needs to be recognized and appreciated frequently by me first. Amen? Thank God other people appreciate may appreciate your wife, but she has to receive it from me first. It's important that I uh, re- make sure that she has that value from me first. And so I, I believe that uh, our wives, guys, are, are, our wives are, are treasures, not our trophies. Amen. And some guys are like, it'd be great to be very treasure, but I, I believe that a wife needs to be treasure and not a trophy. So you value her, and then you include her. What does that mean? You let her in. How many of you remember as a, a, a boy, if you had some friends and you built a fort together, what's the first thing you did before you ever painted it? You put up a sign that says, no girls allowed. Is that right? No, but then when you're married, you know, all the guys, you know, they're not there anymore. It's just you and her doing this fort thing, and you take that sign down. You let her in now. She's a member. So, you, you know, you let her in, but more than just that, you let her into your, your, uh, your emotions. You let her into your dreams. You let her into your kind of, you know, just into your, your thoughts and you into your ideas. You let her in and you include her in those things. You don't just say, you know, I, I just want to tell her everything. But what it is is she, she here's what it is, is you add her ideas. You add, when you include her, you add her visions, her interests, her advice. Her wisdom. That's what you do when you include her in your life. And then the third thing, you listen to her. This is a huge topic. I'm not going to get into all of it. And it's uh, at times controversial. But you listen to her. This is understanding. You listen to her. So not only do you value her, you include her. But you listen to her. And you know, women like to talk. Men like to do. 
Okay, so you go to Starbucks and they just talk, 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 everything. If I go to Starbucks, it's usually with another guy. It's usually we're getting coffee on the way to do something. You know what I'm saying? And if we do talk, it has to be about something we're doing. You know, it's usually, and, and I've listened to some of my wife's conversations. It's like, what are you talking about? It's just, what are you talking about? You're going, you know. So that's just what we do. And so we like to do, but we listen to her and we listen to our wives. And not just, not just uh, so many times we talk about communication. The first thing we talk about is when you come home from work, she's got so many things to say, blah, 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 blah. How many know? But when you listen to somebody, that means you pay attention to what they're saying. You actually listen to them, Right? In other words, you don't just hear them, you listen to them. So you listen to her, that's what it means. And, uh, and I know I'm, I'm on thin ice right now with the guys, but a, a woman should really be able to tell her husband where she feels she's not being cherished. And then she should give him time to respond. One woman said that if I gave him time to respond to it, I'd die of old age. <laughs> Amen. But how many know you still need to give him time to respond? Sit and let him know, I'm, I just feel I'm not being cherished or in this area or listened to or included or valued. In this way. And so, you know, women have a way of just asking, shouldn't he already know? You ever notice that? There's like, shouldn't you already know? I shouldn't even tell you that. And guys are like, yes, you should. We need huge signs. We don't take hints very well. There's only one hint that I get as a guy. One hint. Everything else, I don't really get. You gotta spell it out. How many I'm talking about? Fellas, you know what I'm talking about. We get one hint, that's it. The other hints about cleaning the car, buying flowers, I don't get those hints. You gotta like, Help me spell it out a little bit. And so we got to listen to her. Uh, there was a t-shirt made years ago that said, all men are idiots and I married the king. Right? And that's what women feel. Like, don't you get it? Aren't you just getting what I'm telling you right now? And guys just got to be honest and say, no, we don't. Sorry. And uh, anyways, and so, you know, as we listen to her, one of the things that is important to let her understand is our needs. Because what guys do, that self-confidence, that uh, in the personhood of, our, uh, of being a man, that we have that, uh, we have the companionship, the need for companionship and to be listened to and to be wanted and needed. We have those needs. And so when we listen to her, one of the things that's important is not just listen to her day and how it went and, you know, whatever, but to, to really interact together in communication so that she can understand where I'm coming from, I can understand where she's coming from. And one of the greatest needs I think that we have, as a man has or husband has, is the sense of accomplishment. And there's just something about it that if your marriage isn't going well, I don't think you can ever really feel that you have accomplishment in your life. But when your marriage is doing well, or when I say well, is it's, it's flowing together. It's, it, at some point you learn to work together, live together, and you're really working at loving one another. When you get to that point, I feel like you can feel accomplished about some things. You can really feel satisfied about some things. But a guy that really, you know, he doesn't even realize it sometimes. But if it's not going well at home, not going well uh, with his wife, it's like he really doesn't feel completely accomplished. Amen. God put that in us. Amen. And so I want to encourage you with men. And so now I just wanted to share, if I can, um, really the roles of a wife, roles of a wife. And I, I'm an experienced learner. I'm learning in this. In five, Ephesians 5.22, roles of a wife. I'm going to share with you two points today and then we'll get on with it. But Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22, you wives must submit to your husband's leadership in the same way you submit to the Lord. So let's begin. Okay? So the roles of a wife. Let's begin. By the way, there's six volumes to this. And this is one woman. 
Just kidding. One guy told his, uh, gave some bad advice to his son. He said, son, I want you to always love a woman for her personality. She's got like 10, so you can choose. Right? <laughs> Amen. But in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 18, what did the Lord said? He said, it's not good that a man should be alone. I'll make him a help meet for him. This is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Verse 21, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And some guys haven't woke up from that yet. And he took one of his ribs and out of his side and closed up the flesh thereof. It did an awesome operation. And he made Eve, or the woman we know as Eve. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made or he crafted he a woman. And he brought her unto the man. Here's what I want you to know before I share with you a couple things about the roles of a wife. And that is this. God made Adam with an unmet need. Isn't that amazing? It was God that said everything was good until God said and he noticed that Adam had a need. He made him, we created, with an unmet need. And that's why it's so important that a woman fulfills her role in marriage and a guy does his role in marriage because what happens is it fills the gaps. It meets these needs that we have. And so without even speaking these needs, without even knowing some of these needs, we can meet these needs together uh, when, when we fulfill our roles in marriage. I love that. So God is the one that created us with this unmet need. And there's something else that's very interesting about this, that God formed Adam out of dust. Uh, Adamo means soil, dirt. So we see that in the scriptures that Adam was formed out of dust, but the Lord fashioned the woman from Adam out of bone. Think about it. So he was formed, she was fashioned. So formed is like a general sense, but fashioned is detailed. He took his time. He crafted a woman out of bone. She came out of flesh. Isn't that interesting? And so I, I think that's so important to understand the roles of a wife or your wife's role in the relationship is that maybe sometimes she tends to be a little bit more emotional. Maybe because you tend to be a little bit more tough. You came from dirt. I'm just saying. Okay, we came from dirt, but she came from flesh. And so she tends to be a little bit more sensitive or emotional in certain areas, certain ways. Come on, fellas, amen. And she just, that's the way because, and, then, and that's part of it. And so that, that's, that's from the very beginning. God did this miracle and this. And then the, 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 the best miracle, I think, is he brought them together. And he's the one that declared the two shall be one. I love that. Talk a couple of weeks about the un, unity in a marriage. So what is it? Number one, I think the first thing that we see that the roles of a wife is in Genesis chapter 2 is that she is a helper. She is a helper. The Bible says the Lord God said it's not good that man be alone. I will make him a help me for him. So it's suitable or comparable. That's what it is. She, or compatible. She is compatible but different than him. God made a helper. She's not subordinate. She's not a, some kind of some gopher. You know, if you were to apply for a job and said, I'm here to be a helper... What kind of job would you get? <laughs> Think about it. Because that's our definition. Well, it's just a helper. We'll go over, go over here and you sweep up here and you go over there. And, you, and that's our definition of a helper. But it's not God's definition of a helper. I mean, you know, if you said, what, what's your, what's your uh, career? I'm a helper at McDonald's. We'd be like, oh, okay. Not very high on the success ladder. You know what I'm saying? You can probably jump and be safe from there. So, you know. But it's, it's not a subordinate. It's not an assistant who's beneath the leader. It's not, that's not what it is. A helper sounds like a menial term. We look at it and we think of it as a menial term. That's not God's idea. That's not what it talks about. It's not the lowest paid position, the lowest person on the rung. 
It, it, it's not that at all. A helper is something you cannot live without. You can't do without. You, ha- you have to have a helper. It's a main support. That's what it is. And when, you, when the Bible talks about she's a helpmeet or a helper, it's not just this little gopher. It, it is a main support. It's something you can't do without it. I mean, and it's something that we desperately need, desperately lack in our lives as men, and that is a woman. We need a helper. We need support. We have to have, I mean, these main support beams in this building. I mean, if you took them away, uh, you know, the roof is great, but it just wouldn't, wouldn't stand. And so that's what... Uh, a wife is, and she has to be that, and she has to be that in her home, and men are the ones that need to be rescued. That, that's what it seems to, to, the definition of it seems to be, is not just a supporter or helper, but is a rescuer. Think about it. Look it up. Search it. It means a rescuer. A helper is, is not just something you can't do without, but it, it's something, it's like a rescuer. Somebody, and how many women can say that we need rescue? <laughs> and all the wives are like, oh yeah, especially at the grocery store. Okay, so, so we, we need rescued, and that's what it means. She's a rescuer. She's a helper. She's the one that comes, and she's this one that comes and brings this aid uh, to us. And it's a worthy term. It's not just something that's a human term. It's a worthy term. In fact, the word's used 22 times in the Old Testament, six times it refers to as a man, but 16 times it refers to only God being our help. As David said, Lord, you alone are my help. You are my helper. That's the same definition, helper. It's the same word as God being our helper. Think about it. That's how important it is. Is God a subordinate? Is God our assistant? Is he our gopher? Absolutely not. You wouldn't say that about the Lord. Why would we say it about our wives? So it's the name that's given also to describe the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come. As Jesus said, he's going to lead you. He's going to teach you. He's going to help you. He's the helper He's the teacher. He's the great. That's, it's, it's, it's just like the same thing. It's that same name that's given to describe the Holy Spirit. Think about it. That's amazing. And um, that doesn't mean you can be the Holy Spirit in your husband's life. That means it's the same term as the Holy Spirit. The helper. Meaning one that's called alongside to render aid. That's what it means. And so a man is really the head of the wife. And the wife is equal with different role. Let me just say this to you wives today. That you are not a sidekick. You are the superhero, the other superhero in the, in the, in the marriage. You're not a sidekick. You're, you're, you know, that's not what that means. You're the other superhero in the marriage. The marriage needs both of you to do it. You've got to do it. And so I believe that is that God's called us to those things. It's just that what messes with us is our culturally marinated brain that's been soaked in movies and culture and all these things and lies from the enemy and it hinders us from really coming into all that God has for us. And so God designed wives to help their husbands become all that God's intend them to be. That's one of the things that she does. And she, she's got to patiently allow her husband to be the leader. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7, these few verses say this, is that the man is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. Verse 8, for man did not come from woman, but woman came from the man. Neither was the man created for woman, but woman was created for the man. Verse 11, nevertheless, the Lord, in the, in the Lord, woman is not independent of, her, uh, of the man, nor is the man independent of the woman. For in verse 12, for as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman, but everything comes 
from the Lord. See, God has an order. God has a design. And if we'll follow God's order and God's design, I believe that we'll find, as the Bible calls it, days of heaven upon earth. And so I believe that there are many things that God has put inside uh, our wives and women that we desperately need. And she's the rescuer. She's the, she's the, you know, the main support in, in the home, in our marriage. I mean, it just has to be. And she's got to play that role. See, and as the main support and helper, a woman understands her influence and responsibility, right? She understands those things. She sees those things. It's us, the guys, we need help seeing those things. We don't see those things uh, right away. It usually takes us about <clears throat> 20 years. But we, we don't really see those things, uh, her influence and her responsibility, how important it is in our lives. Hopefully the Lord shows you that day one or year one at least. Amen. So a woman really, I believe, gets to her breaking point when she feels that she has to carry the load. She has to do everything. She, has to, she, she understands her responsibility and then she feels like she has to do his role and his responsibility because he's not doing it. How many know that's when a woman comes to a breaking point? A wife gets to a breaking point when she feels like she's got to do everything. She's got to take on everything because and, and, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And I don't, I don't feel it's right that, that wives need to come to that place. I believe that we need to step up as husbands and realize her influence and her responsibility and ours as well. You know, the Jesus um, gave us an example. There's an example, I should say, in Jesus' times of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, we, we always use this about worship. And we talk about worship, how Mary was at the feet of Jesus while Martha was in the kitchen. And she was, you know, she was fixing everything and she was trying to do everything. And, you know, Jesus said that Mary chose the better part. And so we kind of look down on serving and we kind of look down on, on a woman's role or whatever. I mean, a lot of guys feel like the woman's role is just in the kitchen. That that's, doesn't fly well. And that doesn't work in homes today. But let me just say this. And that is, when Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, Jesus said she chose the better part. Now, is worship better than work? No, that's not what he was saying. Do we need to serve Jesus, serve each other? Do we need to work? Come on, somebody. How many know your home takes work, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And your relationship with God is important as well. But what was happening? Here's the story. Really what was happening is Martha was trying to worship and work at the same time. She was trying to take on two roles, too many different roles at one time. She was trying to do too many things at one time. She's coming in, Jesus, I love you, I want to, oh, something's burning, I, I got to wear, okay, I'm in here, Everybody, make sure everybody's got the water and you know, all the cups are filled, and I, oh, I don't worship. She was doing too much at one time. And a woman gets to her breaking point, she gets frustrated with her family or kids or whatever, when she feels like everything is on her shoulders. How many know we shouldn't bring, it, bring her to that point, we shouldn't push our wives to that point? Is anybody listening? Amen. And so I believe that, that she understands it. Now, because of that as well, I believe a, a wife will actually, she'll serve to a fault. She'll push herself to exhaustion and, and, and where she can't even, uh, a mental capacity where she shouldn't be. She's almost to a breakdown. Come on. That, she'll do that to a fault. She'll, she'll love, she'll serve, she'll work, she'll do this for her kids, for her family, to a fault, won't she? I mean, some of you are like that, and some of you have... Uh, moms like that and wives like that where they just completely give themselves to the family and to the responsibilities and their influence. I think that's important to do that. But the instructions of a father and the influence of mother are really what help kids grow in our homes. Amen. So just like, uh, you know, well, let me read the scripture first. I found the scripture in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 25, talking about a virtuous woman. But towards the end, it says this, that a woman is clothed with, clothed with strength and dignity, 
She can laugh at the days to come. She doesn't laugh at her husband. She laughs at the days to come. She has strength and dignity. A woman is clothed with strength and dignity. But you know what? How many uh, have been watching some, maybe the superhero movies? You know, one of the famous phrases from Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man, was with great power comes great responsibility. And so just like a superhero, a woman has strength and dignity. But I just believe that just like a superhero, she's responsible for how she uses her strength. She's got strength and dignity, but she's responsible in how she uses that strength. And so it's important that we under, she understands that and stays in that role where she's not going to get to a breaking point of frustration and, and, and agitation, but she's going to be able to still fulfill her role and her responsibilities and her, her uh, come on, and all those things, and yet be refreshed and have joy and still be able to love like she wants to. And so I believe that as a woman is clothed with strength and dignity, one of the translations says this and commentary says this, is that a woman is undeterred by those who say she can't do anything or that it can't be done. Her God-given passion produces clear-eyed purpose. It's a deep compassion and a bold spirit that has the power to transform her marriage. That's the kind of strength that a wife has, that God gives her and graces her with. And so I believe that, again, her temptation, a temptation would be to, to really exhaust herself, but also the temptation for a woman with strength and dignity and, and, and one that really is a helper would be one to be overbearing and to be smothering. How many know everybody loves uh, to be mothered, but not too many people like to be smothered? Right, So there's that temptation that I just want to do everything. I want to I do it for everybody. I want to take on all these roles, take on these responsibilities. But how many know she's to be a helper to her husband, helper at home? Amen. And that's what her one of her roles are. And we can talk more about it. But I'm going to go into the second one in closing. And that is this. And that is she's not just a helper. The Bible declares and t- talks to us about this and that she is a defender. This is how really a woman or wife operates in respect for a husband. See, a lot of times we say, well, the Bible says you're supposed to submit and respect a woman. So that's all I read. That's all I know. Okay? That's, you know. So again, we're coming from an abusive. We're coming from a broken. We're coming from a fallen nature. But how many know that's not God's view? That's not God's design. And so when we look at this, this is how she can fulfill her, her role as, uh, and respect for her husband. See, when a woman respects her husband, as the Bible teaches us, is that you stand alongside him. You notice him. You regard him. This is what respect means. It means to honor him. To prefer him or to esteem him. It, it means this. It means to, to, to valuing his opinion. Uh, as shallow as you think it is. Okay? Or maybe it's all on sports. But you still got to value that. Okay, honey, that's great. Okay, so our house is like sports? Okay, I got it. You know, whatever. You just value that. You, you admire his wisdom and his character. You appreciate his commitment to you and, and, and you consider his needs. You have his back. That would mean to be a defender and to respect you. You stand by, with him and alongside of him and behind him. And come on, and you even go in front of him sometimes and say, I got this, hon. I got this. And so you got his back and you defend him and that's how you show respect. And See, the thing of it is, is that she's not really trying to, to fight for his role as a leader. The moment that a wife tries to fight for his role as a leader, and, and when a woman tries to lead too much in the marriage, the husband has a tendency to leave his role as a husband. So that's how I even know we need to stay in that lane. And we need to, but when she defends, she, she just loves to defend. And she loves to, to get into that. She's a defender. So one of the things I, fe- I felt, and when I, when I thought about this, as a defender, one of the things I've seen is that a woman is a first responder. 
How many know that? There, there's something in a woman, she's a first responder. Guys are like, okay, leave them in the ditch. I don't care. Let's just keep, we got to go to the, I got to get to this, right? The woman's like, no, we got to stop. We got to help. She's kind of that first responder in the family. She's just that, that one that wants to, let's address it. Let's talk about it. Let's, let, let's do this. Let's, come on. She's that first responder. That's what it means to be a defender. She's a first responder. One of the things that God has put in a, a, a wife is that she is her, her, she's got this defense system. As a defender, she's got this defense system. And her defense system is intuition and discernment. I mean, that's just, it works in a marriage. I don't know how it works. But she just, I mean, it's like, you know, we're, we're going to go buy a car. We're going to buy something. And it's like, you know, I'll just go and I'll just hit buy the first thing I see. Yep, looks good. Like the color. Let's do it. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't feel good about this. this we got to check this out. This guy looks shady. This deal looks, you know, what are you talking about, right? And usually she ends up being right. She's the one that has that built-in system of intuition and discernment. We're just like, hey, let's just spend all our money right now. I think we should just go for it. I think we need to just, just, sell, just quit our jobs, put all our money into this, you know, just this, this, this thing, and I think we need to do that. And she's just like, I think you need another cup of coffee or something. I think you need to go back to work. I think you need some time. You need some space. Um, you know, I need to hide the stupid pills again from you. So something's going on here. Let's just do it. She has a system of discernment. She has a system of intuition. But how many know the intuition really doesn't mean she's always right? That's why it takes people to talk together and walk together and don't just say well you know she's always right so I'll just let her make the decisions or you know she's got this discernment God moves on her I don't know I mean if she feels you know you know we, we can't do that but sometimes just because you have intuition about some things a discernment doesn't make you always right that's why we need each other because usually it's like okay hon you know what I, I, I think it's I think it's good I don't think we need to invest all our money in in this uh, in this and you know whatever it is uh uh, air-conditioned chicken coop. I, I think we can wait on that. I think we can, you know, I, I think maybe you're right. I think we need to just wait until they come out with that at Walmart, and then we'll get it. And um, amen. But, you know, as a defender, one of the definitions, I think, is, is that one of the definitions of being a defender for a wife is that it's dangerously, she is dangerously protective of what belongs to her. Oh yes, she. Oh yes, she is. And so, one of the things I've realized: if you ever get caught in the middle, in between, let's put it this way, an angry mother and her kids, there's, there's, it's not a good place. There's three places you're going to go. You're either going to be in the courtroom, the hospital, or the morgue. That's all I got to tell you. When you get in between an angry mom and her kid, come on, I mean, I mean, you know, how many know those moms that see, you know, their kids fighting out front? They come out of the house just as they are. You want to talk about one of those moms. And if you get caught in between that mom, you're in so much trouble. Amen. She doesn't care how old you are. She doesn't care who your dad is. She doesn't care where you live. You're going to get beat. You're going to get it. So that's what that inner and that woman. So a guy's like, hold on, let's see who wins the fight. Are you kidding me? They're hurting Johnny. We got to go out there. I mean, you know, a lot of times she'll just take what's in her hand. A shoe. How many have had a mom that she just, the shoe was the first thing she went for. Come on. Amen? Because she's got that defense. She's got that dangerously protective element. And so God created a woman to mother children, and she's, just, she's got that defense. She's got that, just that intuition about her. She's got the thing, and when her kids are no, up to no good, she just knows. The dad's like, huh? And she's like, no, 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 something's not right. You know what I'm saying? 
How many had a mom that she just knew? You were the best liar in the family. Not with your mom. How many I'm talking about? You know, you, 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 you would talk to your brothers out of their shoes to sell you all their clothes and all this stuff. But your mom knew when you were lying. And there's just that thing about it. She can mother children and she can do with kids and she has that way. And that, it's just amazing as a defender. One of the things I, I love about it is she comes to your aid. She comes to your defense. She Sometimes to a fault. She'll do that. And she's even wrong and she still defends you. She'll march right up to the principal's office and you were wrong and they got it on camera and there's 10 witnesses waiting in line and she still defends you. Not my son. You got the wrong boy. How many know what I'm talking about? How many have had a mom like that? But when you got home, all of a sudden, it was like, what? I'm getting beat. What's that? And, uh, right? So there's this, because she is a defender, because she can mother children, there's a tendency for her to be taken advantage of. There's a tendency for people to take advantage of that and to, and there's, advantage, there's a tendency for her to push herself beyond her means to help people. She goes beyond and she, she goes even to where it hurts her personally and physically just to help people because she's just got that thing about her. And so I love that about uh, the wife is that she's just that defender. And so after so many times, the guy's like, okay, you're on your own. M mother, she's just like after the 10th, 12th, 20th times, like she just comes to that defense and that aid. I love that about her. And so the Bible teaches women that there's just there's these negative things that we have to really battle. It talks to us both, men and women, but especially it deals with, talks about in the book of Proverbs about complaining and nagging and things like that and gossiping and slander and complaining. Why is that? Why does it talk to women about that? Why does it dress, sometimes the Bible addresses specifically women in that area. Why? I be believe that because it erodes her role as a defender. Because then she becomes an attacker. And God didn't call her to be an attacker. God called her to be a defender. And so I believe that that's why it's important that we, we avoid these temptations to, to really just uh, to be that attacker and you be that a defender. And so her temptation really also is to defend her family to the point of denial. She'll, she'll, I mean, she'll lie to the police. He's not here. I mean, you're hiding right behind the door. I mean, you know, there's denial of a problem or there's enablement. I mean, there's personal loss. Whatever she has to do to defend, that's just... That, that instinct in her, and I love it, and so God put that in her. That needs to be cultivated, and that strength and that dignity needs to be channeled, really, in playing that role as a wife. Amen. And she's that defender. I love it. And she, as a defender, she brings aid and relief. That's what that word means, aid and relief. And we'll talk about that next week. But in Ephesians chapter 5, last scripture I wanted to give you, I said this at the end, I'll probably say this again. But Ephesians chapter 5, 18. So we read out of Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. But go a couple verses above that. And it said this. It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many know we can't do this without the Holy Spirit? Come on, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And a woman, a wife, that will allow herself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I mean, you talk about this. You want to talk about insight and wisdom from God. God gives her wisdom and insight. Uh, when she's filled with the Holy Spirit, there's faith for her family, faith for her husband. Everybody else gives up on him, but she still, she still likes him. She still hangs around. She still believes in her family. She still hopes for the best. And with the Holy Spirit being filled with her, just in her, in her, in her spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, she has this strength to endure that a lot of people don't have. And so I love that about uh, what God does too in our roles in marriage. And how many know that it's so important that we be filled with the Holy Spirit? The Bible says don't be drunk with wine because that leads to uh, 
kind of debauchery, the Bible says, or it leads to loose living. But someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit understands their role. They understand their strength in God. They understand the integrity that if I don't do this, then I can't have a marriage, a good marriage, and I can't have a good family. And so today, as we touched on the role of a husband, the role of a wife, amen, I want to challenge you today. Amen. Let's let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to fill not just our hearts, but our marriages, our homes, our families, our kids. It goes all the way down, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand on our feet today. You know, I don't know where you are and what your situation is, but it doesn't matter what your family tree looks like. Some it may look like a rose bush and others it looks like something else. Come on, it just looks like weeds. But it doesn't matter. God loves your family. God can use your family. God's touching you. It doesn't matter really where you've been. It's where you're going. And after today, you can honestly say, God, I want to be the husband you called me to be. I want to be the wife that you called me to be. I know that family matters to you, and I want my family to matter to me. Be the leader this week. Be the, as a man, be the leader. Amen. As the wife, be that defender, be that helper. Amen. That support, that strength. Amen. That he needs in his life. Husband needs today. and That our children need. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we we don't have all the answers, but you do, and your word does. And Lord, we thank you today that we're just touching the tip of the iceberg of all the promises that you have in our marriages. All the things that you have, all the roles and all the benefits that come from obeying and walking and submitting to you. That's what it's about, Lord. And so today, that's where I want to start. I want to start in submission to you and obeying your word. So, Lord, today, this week, actually going into this week, if there's something that you want to speak to me, Lord, I I do. I know you're going to speak to me. I preach this word, and I'm setting myself up for it. I know it's coming. You're going to speak to me, Lord. I want to be faithful to hear you, and I want to be faithful to to, to handle that, Lord, and to walk through that with you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for... Let's thank the Lord today for our husband and wife, Lord. Lord, we thank you for my wife, Lord. I thank you for my spouse, Lord. I pray you'd strengthen them. and I pray that you would encourage them, build them up in the faith. Let them, let them be blessed today beyond what they can even handle. Lord, let them enjoy your presence today like never before. Lord, we bless all the marriages. We bless all the children. We bless in this place, I pray, a, a rich blessing in all the marriages. They may not be perfect in the world's eyes, but they're good in your eyes. And so I say thank you today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.